Welcome to the great conversation where ideas matter. Ideas shape markets, ideas change the world. One of the things uh, you all know we have been talking about for some time is this idea of real time. Real time actionable response, real time situational awareness, real time reporting on the metrics that matter to the risk resilience and security industry. And I have been working recently with the Security Industry Association on an audio and intelligence communication work group. And one of the members of that is Morgan Hertel, uh, who's the VP of Technology and Innovation at Rapid Response, a central station and so much more. Morgan, great having you on with the great conversation. Ah, thank you. Looking forward to this. This will be fun. Well, it's such an intriguing topic too. And Morgan, uh, if, if you, just talking to my community here, if you do a deep dive on Morgan, he's really seen as somebody who is leading edge thought leader in his particular discipline. And uh, he was just sharing with me a moment ago, we're gonna share it here, how he started getting involved with interactive voice. Um, so let's, let's go over a little history there on the why, Morgan, behind your initial, um, uh, initial construction of an IBR offering inside your company. Sure, be happy to. I mean, it was really born out of at a at a necessity, but also we wanted to be on the edge. Uh, rapid response is known for being, you know, one of those bleeding edge organizations that's typically running two, three, four years ahead of everybody else out there. And you know, I got the battle wounds and the arrows to to show for it. But the idea was, uh, you know, there are times when you need to be able to have stakeholders understand what's going on. And it's not okay to call them hours later on an incident. It's not okay to, uh, to, to be late like that. They, they need to have that information now and they need to have it in a, in a way that they can easily consume. And so uh, the, the organization embarked on, at the time, one of its most expensive uh, uh, projects ever, which was to launch a natural language speech enabled uh, platform, IVR platform that could uh, both take inbound call traffic, but also do call uh, outbound call traffic and be able to deliver real-time messaging about what was going on in their facilities. And also, and almost more importantly, the consumer could talk back to it without having to use touchstone commands and things like that. So it left all kinds of opportunities for engagement. And uh, like any other project, it was a little, uh, a little challenging at first, but you know, over time we got it. Today it's still running. Um, it's still one of our, our biggest um, you know technology uh, projects that has has that gets work done every single month by our by our development staff, improving it, changing it, modifying, coming up with new applications and ideas. It's it's pretty cool. So really, it was uh, it was really interesting because as you start off in this technology you're trying just to expedite simple tasks, uh, tasks that happen on an everyday basis that don't really demand any subject matter expertise of any kind or a human voice. And, uh, you know, that, that, that's interesting. How was it received initially by the customer base? Well, the customer base at first was slightly confused because they uh, had very little, most customers had very little experience with, with voice response systems. 
they, they kind of knew what a robocall was. So they, they tended to, to try and, you know, equate that uh, at the time, you know, 2012, 2013, that's just the beginning of when like airlines were starting to uh, launch uh, call center applications where you could book flights uh, right on the cusp of that. So the initial uh, reaction was kind of a knee jerk reaction. Oh, this is terrible. You're, you know, you're doing robocalls and, you know, this is unacceptable, but, after they under started to really one work with it and understand what it could do and how it worked, uh, acceptance uh, came pretty easy at that point in time, uh, and and I think that had a lot to do with not only what we were doing with educational material and things like that, but as much as what the rest of the world was doing as well, which was starting to have voice enabled applications uh, all over the place, and people were starting to get accustomed to using them, and they started to work. Uh, you know, when they all first launched, it was a little rough, uh, and now and now today, I mean, you can call up and book a flight anywhere you want in the world with really little or no trouble, and. And uh, it just keeps getting better and better. You know, what, what's really interesting, too, is it, it potentially solves another problem or adds to the solution of another problem that is pervasive both in the commercial, small, medium business and residential market. And that is the false alarm. Uh, are you using uh, NLP and or intelligent voice to help um, with that filtering as well? Yeah, so a couple applications that are running today. Uh, there's an outbound application that, that uh, if needed to be if needed uh, to be brought online, based on either preference or timing or a number of other things, that that platform can call and, and get a password and and do the whole thing, really in a in a few seconds. It, it's really really fast to be able to do it that way. We also have an inbound application so that if you're calling in and saying, hey, you know, I sent my alarm off, and an operator's not immediately available to handle that call, it can actually get routed uh, in real time to to an IVR that can look up the account that they belong to, get their password cancel alarm if it's still impending and hasn't been touched by an operator yet but if it hasn't if it already has been touched by an operator then it will it'll fire off another set of things for an operator to call an agency and, and cancel that alarm event and um, you know that that thing takes i don't know hundred thousand calls a month maybe on the inbound call i mean you know it's it's significant there are dependencies to be able to leverage this kind of technology, though, I would imagine. For example, sensors at the edge that are intelligent enough to send the right signal and, uh, and have it interpreted by your AI bot, if you will. Yeah. Uh, you know, today, the, the range of sensors that are in the field are, are really, it's unbelievable what can be done today, uh, both in in analog, but also digital sensors today. And audio is no stranger to those kinds of sensors out there today. Um, really everything is starting to, to really become uh, smart. <laughs> yeah. You know, stupid sensors are, are okay, but when you really start to, to look at, at sensor technology, both on the audio and the video side, uh, things are getting very smart, very fast. And it, it's uh, a very exciting, very fast moving uh, part of our business. Now, uh, the working group is called Audio and Intelligent Communications. And if you study the NLP marketplace, 
because uh, there's many different vendors in it. Um, they use a term over and over again, which is serendipitous for our working group. And the term is called intelligent engagement. And that's exactly what you've been just talking about right now. Where do you see intelligent engagement going in the future? And what are the constraints holding it back right now? Um, you know, if you look at our world today and just take the overwhelming acceptance of of digital assistance, I'll just use that term, right? Uh, and whether that's a, a phone that you're using that has a voice interface, or it's an echo sitting on your desktop, or it's a, a microwave that has something built into it, or your TV that has something built into it. It's very clear to me that the way that you communicate with your world is changing quickly. And it's changing to two things. One, uh, a lot, all your command and control are changing to voice uh, interactions. No, no longer are people walking up to their thermostats and, you know, adjusting thermostats. They just say, "Set my living room to, you know, 75 degrees. Thank you very much. And, you know, they're, they never even miss a beat because they're running down the hallway wondering what the kids are up to. Uh, the other thing, though, that, that's starting to happen, and that is, as all this is happening in the background, systems are learning what you're doing and starting to now uh, preempt the need for this, for a lot of this, you know, manual process. And they're just adapting your environment to you. And I look at it on the security side as security is a lifestyle. It, it's no longer a, a keypad stuck on a wall that... Uh, that you know you turn on and off it's about having security that's around you all the time and audio becomes a key component to that because most things can be linked to audio events intrusions don't happen in complete silence things break people talk people walk there's all kinds of things that happen in a in a home or a business that are intrusion related they're all about sound and it's one of the easiest and least expensive ways to start to understand situational awareness but then again if it's so obvious what's holding it back because i think we, I think we can agree yeah. can't we morgan that it's not pervasive yet it's not ubiquitous yet well, there isn't an easy roi cvp that's been going on out there yeah I think it's just a matter of time for acceptance. If you look at today, and I'm going to point to the Amazon Echoes, if you look at that today and the number of Amazon Echoes that are out there, and now that their Guard Plus platform is turned on, which you know detects obvious things like forced intrusion, voices, uh, breaking glass, smart enough to detect the sounds that come from smoke detectors and CO detectors and know the difference. I don't, I think you're, I think we're there. We're, we are there with $35 devices that you can set on the kitchen counter and make work and, and do the job of, of what, what was a traditional intrusion system that, uh, you know, was way more expensive and not near as accurate with understanding what's going on. Yes. There's some things that have to be done. You got to figure out how to deal with battery backup. You have to figure out, you know, communications. There's some things that have to be done out there. But if you look at what it what that $35, you know, hockey puck sitting on your on your uh, on your countertop can do, 
it's pretty amazing. And I think it's just a matter of, of time over the next really, you know, two to three years at, at most, where more and more and more is going to get pulled into that, into that realm of using devices and concepts that were never thought of before to manage security events. I mean, even forget intrusion just for a minute, even things like, you know, help I've fallen and I can't get up. Those kinds of events can easily be handled with audio. Uh, violent interactions, gunshots, again, very easy to deal with from an audio perspective. Um, and there's no reason not to leverage that. You know, when you really start to think about it. And, and you're so right. You know, Maslow's hierarchy of need, right, is starts with kind of a baseline of security and safety. We forget that in our business interactions. It starts with security and safety. That's why the tip of the spear in digital transformation, whether it's cyber and physical security or business operations, starts with, you know, basic practices like that. Yeah. And there are some there are some large uh, alarm companies that are making incredible strides in the last few years to start starting to move uh, over to more audio based uh, detection and verification processes. Um, it's and it's just it's just going to take a little bit of time for the rest of the industry to catch up to some of these people. You know, Sonatrol has been around for a long time, which is a very high end, um, you know, platform and application. And we do a lot of Sonatrol monitoring. Has one of the highest apprehension rates. It's the highest apprehension rate of any system on the planet. Uh, incredibly low false alarm rates, and but it's expensive, and so. People that have a need can, can do that. But as you start to get audio devices and edge processing and analytics, you know, done at mass scale, it drives the cost for that kind of stuff down. And it's going to get, it's already at the consumer level now. And now it just needs to be ruggedized into the alarm world. I'm always fascinated on chicken, you know, chicken and egg market dynamics. You know, I want to logically say, I can't really help automate something until, you know, the physical security, cybersecurity guy have integrated best practices. If I have integrated best practices and I have B metrics that matter, then I can start deploying technology that optimizes that integrated process. Are you seeing that where from, from your, or is it, is it going to be a different dynamic? Is it going to be a feature that everyone grabs onto that, that, uh, that escalates? I mean, sorry, accelerates uh, the transformation. Yeah, and I think a lot of this has to do with uh, who your users are. Yeah. And so if you if you look at traditional security users, you know they're they're grumpy guys with gray hair, a little bit older, uh, you know that are making business decisions in a in a business, or they're you know the the forty plus homeowner that finally has something worth protecting. Mm -hmm. That's been the traditional you know consumer of of security systems, physical or or even uh, even logical, but that's starting to change now. Now you're starting to see you know, systems and platforms that are affordable for the person that lives in an apartment and, uh, or a business that's just getting going and just doesn't have the cash to do something else. And so you're starting to see entrance into that space that are coming from places where nobody said, hey, you got to have a keypad on the wall. 
They're like, what do I need to keep that on the wall? I can talk to a dang thing. You know, there's no point, right? I just say, turn the system on or even better. It should just know I left and locked the door. What do I need to even, why should I even have to worry about turning anything on? It should just know as a drive away, it should just come on. And so those expectations are starting to happen. So two things are happening. One is you're starting to see, um, that age group that has those expectations, they're moving up. They're starting to get to that, you know, age where they have more to protect. And so uh, you're, they're becoming, you know, buyers of systems. And But their expectations were generated when they were 20 and, and, and younger to say, this is how my life works. I don't talk to people. I text to people. I don't turn things on and off. I tell it with my mouth how to turn things on and off. And you're, you're starting to see that, you know, move up. Um, and the technology, you know, is is starting to become stabilized now to where it makes sense. I mean, the very first echo that hit the street was pretty rough. You know, the one the first one I bought, one, it was the size of a toilet paper roll, weighed about, you know, six pounds. It, it was more of a weapon than it was a tool. Uh, and it, it 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 was a little rough. And, you know, now they're little tiny, you know, golf ball size things and they work great. So it's just a matter of time. It really becomes uh, a function of society pushing up and time pushing down. Yeah, it was funny, though, the Echo Show, which, of course, provides the video output with the audio all in one box. It, you know, started almost like a CRT terminal and now is down to mm -hmm. a picture frame, a footprint. Right. And uh, it's, 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 like you said, it started it started with simply wanting to see something and now it's turning into integrated security, integrated smart home, integrated lifestyle management, right? So everything, yeah. Yeah. So it, it's interesting. So why are you sitting on the SIA working group? What 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 advantage do you have by collaborating with your peers and your frenemies in such a group? Yeah. So I, I've got a number of hats. So I've got my, you know, technology had it rapid and because we're always on the bleeding edge and because we support a lot of this new technology, it's really important for us as an organization to understand what standards do, how um, working groups are, are, you know, planning on executing on projects. It's really important for us to be there. So that that's one of my hats that, that I'm on. And yeah, I can contribute a lot of stuff to that, which helps drives uh, standards and, and uniformity throughout our industry. I'm a big fan of standards. I think having security systems that, that work without standards what they're innovative, but they can also be problematic. So having standards that are they're workable are important to us. My other hat is I'm the incoming president for TMA, which is the monitoring uh, association. It's a trade group for uh, all central stations within the United States and a lot of a lot in Canada and, and some international players as well. And so understanding from a um, a, a monitoring specific um, uh, trade group is really important to also help them and keep those organizations up to speed on, on what's really going on and also to provide, you know, bi-directional feedback back and forth about their concerns and, you know, their experiences and where they think it's going. So it, I'm in a pretty good place to be able to, to do that today. And uh, audio is one of my passions because of, I've been doing it for so long. It just seemed like a natural fit to me. Do you believe, um, 
in working with the working group subcommittee structure over the years you've been in this industry, what's the desired outcome of a working group? What, what is a working group influence at the end of the day? It depends on what the goal is. So I'm on a couple of working groups that are working on ANSI standards. Uh, I'm working on two, two of those groups right now. One is uh, a verification standard for TMA. And the second one is a uh, non-traditional uh, way of, of sending um, emergency information to 911 centers through NINA. Uh, and those are going to, those working groups will produce ANSI standards that people can follow and comply with. And that's how they will do these things. But there's also working groups that come out of that with, with ideas, um, much like a think tank. And, and so those reports and papers come out to one, let the industry know, hey, this is coming. You guys need to get in line with that. And uh, that can be as valuable, if not more, because it really allows manufacturers and, um, and end users and organizations like uh, alarm companies and monitoring centers to kind of coalesce on, on ideas and concepts and then start to build products and services around those, uh, that coalescence. So when it comes to intelligent voice, intelligent audio, intelligent engagement, it's not if, it's when. And what do you think will happen over the next 12 to 36 months? I don't even think it's when. I think it's here. You just haven't seen it as much. Uh, but clearly over the next 20, you know, 36 months, you're going to see more and more and more voice and audio enabled devices, you know, hitting the streets. Uh, platforms are already relying on it, and it's, you're just going to see more and more acceptance um, for all for for use for so many different things. Wherever without, you a, sit, without a doubt, wherever you sit in the risk resilience security ecosystem, whether you're a chief security officer, whether you're uh, a homeowner, whether you're a small business, um, uh, you can uh, choose. Uh, to begin to ride this wave now, or uh, you'll be watching people from the beach. Without a doubt, yeah. And, and you know what? I think most security people, especially security directors and stuff, if if you're not, you know, engaged in understanding how voice works and how audio works today, you're missing a big piece of what's going on out there because. Um, this is probably, from our, my perspective and from what I can see, the fastest and most evolving uh, set of technologies uh, being developed out there, even more so than video. The tech giants are working on audio stuff. They're not working on video stuff. They're really focusing on where do we go with audio. And um, it's so much uh, easier to deploy that uh, I think you'll see a a lot more of it in the in the coming two or three years. So the great conversation approached the Vice President of Technology and Innovation of Rapid Response Monitoring Services. And I think we can all agree, we got some insights here that and nuggets we can take with us and help us improve our personal and professional lives. Thank you, Morgan Hertel. You're very welcome. It's a pleasure, pleasure having the conversation with you. It's been a great conversation.